You're listening to the AID Network. Hello, listeners of Comment Below. I'd like to make you aware of an episode that I put out last Thursday, AID 889 Star Wars Theory, called out. A YouTube creator by the name of Star Wars Theory made a fan film on the agreement that he couldn't monetize it in any way. Well, then when the correct owner of some of the IP used or inspired in the film came looking for monetization, he ran over to YouTube and cut not one, not two, but three videos, sort of battling it out. I play the video back and go line by line, basically breaking down. When you work within other IPs, this is something that you might have to face. This is a, a, a game that might bite you in the ass. And at the end of the day, if we believe that small creators should be protected, we also have to believe that big creators deserve the same amount of protection. What's fair for one is fair for all. It's an interesting episode, a different look at the world of YouTube content creation and working with other IPs. If you're a creator and you're thinking about making something that piggybacks on somebody else's work, you're going to do something that's called derivative. Maybe you want to check out episode 889, Star Wars Theory Called Out. Listen up, party people. That's right. If your client or yourself, you have an event coming up, Take all of your event planning design, bring it over to our friends over at jackprince.com. If you need laminates and VIP passes, 250 start as low as $192. If you need full color posters to promote the event, show everybody you're going to have a great time and show off your design skills, 250 full color posters as low as 194 bucks. And if you need a full color vinyl banner, once you get to the party, you need to give your sponsors a shout out or let people know where to go to get their laminates and VIP passes. Oh, it's all coming together. Get four foot by two foot banners as low as 50 bucks. All three of these items are under $200 and a great way for you to round out your promotional printing and planning for you or for your client. Get these deals and even more by going to jackprince.com slash circle of trust. When you're ready to design that next party or promotion, jackprince.com slash circle of trust, spin less so you can make more. Good morning and welcome back to Comment Below. Sean Moore, Connie Collinsworth, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's early here too. Hello. It's so late. It's so late in space over oh. here. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I've just uh, I've just had a game of badminton, so I've stretched all my limbs out. So, you know, very English today. Like badminton, you went outside and you, and you played this with one of your mates? Yeah, it's indoors. It's an indoor sport. But yes, I went. I left the house, and he's a he's a, a circle of trust um, guy who I play with. It's called Owen. So uh, yeah, he's just he's just run me around the court and beat the shit out of me at badminton, which was fun. Hold on, hold on. Thanks a lot, Owen. You twat. Two things I'm amazed. There's a, somebody else that's aware of AID over in the Snicket. Yeah, and badminton is such a big deal that they make indoor places to play it. So we have like multi-purpose courts. So it would be a it's a basketball court, and then it like doubles as a five-a-side football 
um, like pitch, and then it's also got like space for badminton, and they'll do like a you know have like gym things in there as well. So yeah, but um, you know you book that space and yeah, and play badminton. Connie, Try don't and play you... once a week, but man, it's so hard. Go on, Connie. Don't you think of badminton in the U.S. as like a twenty dollar game that your 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 uncle bought from Kmart? As, as well as jarts, and it was just something that people kind of put it together on their side lawn when they're having a barbecue in the summer in the 70s. Man, you just, it's exactly how we did. We put, On Sundays, my mom would cook a big dinner, family would come over, we would play badminton during the day, and like for, I had parents who didn't really care anything about sports, but they became ridiculously like comp- competitive over this badminton game. <laughs> and uh, it always ended up in hurt feelings, somebody mad, Dad yelling at somebody and usually me crying. So, <laughs> Sean, there was this lawn game over here called Jarts. And you basically, you, you put these rings out in your lawn and the objective is to throw the jart into the ring. That's how you get a point. Right. But the problem okay. is, is you're underhanded. You're throwing these darts that has a huge weight at the end of it so that it'll go head down. And there's a yes. point on the bottom of it. And it was very common for someone to throw a jart in an opponent's ankle. I mean, it, it, it's like playing oh, cornhole, God. but you're throwing spikes at each other. And it just reminds me of why the 70s were so great. So much technology, so few rules. It was the best time to be alive. Yeah, the fucking PC SJW brigade can't do that anymore. Jerks. <laughs> we played jarts with, uh, even our grandparents played the jarts, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, there was always a lot what of a hopping word. around to avoid your feet yeah. getting hit. Yeah, it was, it was dangerous as hell. This week, over in the world of entertainment and pop culture, and I'd like to remind everybody that Comment Below now lives on its own. You can find us over on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher. Today, you're listening to us on the regular AID feed, but if you're going to want to listen to Comment Below for free in the future, you're going to need to subscribe on one of those other platforms because it won't always be here. So subscribe wherever you do. Please leave a positive comment and, and tell a friend, by all means, tell a friend this is now a way where people can just listen to the comment below the the pop culture review from aid and not be bothered with the other shows if they're not inclined to this week in pop culture i think the number one thing that people have been talking about is the drop of the spider-man far from home trailer sean i bet you have yeah. zero opinions about this um it's really hard isn't it because um Everything feels like it's a spoiler for um, the next Avengers movie, don't you think? Well, there, here's the problem, and I can, I can understand this from a creator's perspective. I don't. You're, you're always torn, right? Like if I record something, I don't want to give away what the ending is. But in today's yeah. world, you need to tell people what it's about so that they'll show up. So all the time, I'm reminding myself when when I go to tell a story. Like I, last Tuesday, I did an episode about the, the early years of Evil, Evil Knievel. And in a dream world, I would have loved to told the story about a guy named Robert Craig. And at the end of the story, I revealed that Robert Craig became Evil Knievel. There's no way to do that because the cover has to have Evil Knievel on it. Yeah. It needs to be in the title. It needs to be in the tagging. It needs to be in the promotion. So there's really no way to really surprise an audience. So when something like Avengers has a very definitive thing that happens through it, it's like, 
what do they do? Do they put an embargo on everything else in the Marvel universe until that hits? I mean, their hands yes. are tied. No, well, so the only reason why I think that this has happened is because it's obviously, it's wrapped up with Sony, isn't it? Spider-Man. So um, it kind of causes problems. So Sony market it and Sony kind of got called the shots on it so they can kind of do what they want, which is why like the, the trailers for the last movie, Homecoming, kind of showed too much. Like mm-hmm. if it had been Mar- Marvel that had done that, they'd have been a lot more kind of respectful and, you know, but Sony are desperate cunts. So yes. they, um, so they, yeah, they, they have to kind of get it out there. So I think that's the only reason why. Um, I think if anybody, if any company could do um, what what you're talking about, I think it would be Marvel. I think that three months, you know, so en- end of April is um, Endgame and then um, the end of July is when, or the middle of July is when um, Far From Home comes out. That I feel like that's enough time for Marvel to kind of get enough people in. Sony, um, Spider-Man didn't make that much money, the last mm-hmm. one. It did well, mm-hmm. but it didn't do hugely well. If they'd have just held off and then maybe dropped the... Um, Far From Home trailer, like, the day after that came out, or the week after it came out, or even just put it after, like, as, as the kind of the end of um, Endgame, like, that. That's, yeah. this is the kind of, you know, the, whatever it's called, like, the post-credits thing, then that would have been fine. I don't think that that would have caused them any problems, but I think it's a Sony thing. I think that's the reason why they've done it. It's frustrating, really frustrating, because I have a lot of questions now. Well, I, I think that what you're really looking at, and I agree with you, that strategy of Let's do the impossible. Let's keep a tight lid on it and then just go nuts. Let's just do a complete blitz. After in-game, everybody's going to talk about Star Wars or uh, Spider-Man. But yeah, that's easy for us to say because we didn't invest a couple hundred million dollars in this. I know. You're right. <laughs> There's only so many companies that can do it and Marvel are one of them, but they still don't do it. And it just I find it really frustrating because it's it's... I think it would be a real creative leap for them to do it. And I think that this, like a lot of people probably don't care about it, but from my point of view, I'm just like, why is he so happy? Why is he going on a trip to Europe? Because half of everybody's dead, including him. And also, (laughs) if he's not dead, then, and he's back to life now, like, how's that happened? Like, he still wouldn't be happy. I've seen the leftovers. Yeah. Like, you know, I, regardless, so so say he dies and then he comes back to life, um, He's not okay about that. You're not okay. You're, like that's going to cause some problems. That that's going to like cause like kind of psychological problems to people. So then that leads me to think, oh well, is this a time travel thing where um, everything just gets kind of reversed and brought back to normal? And because I, there's just no world in which everyone's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to go to Europe for for a couple of months or whatever. I'm just like, no way, absolutely no way. The world would be in chaos. Here's the problem that I had though with the Avengers when when you and I reviewed it on, on the show last year, I loved it. It, it. it was so great to see that many heroes in one movie. And I, I believe on one hand, it completely lived up to the epicness that you thought it would be, but I didn't cry. It wasn't an emotional movie for me because Marvel films have taught me there's zero stakes. Anyone at any moment can come back with timelines and space travel and, different characters from different you know universes and, and different portals there's no stakes in anything so i just watch it going at any moment anybody can die but any moment anyone can come back to life it's not like when you're watching a really good tv show like the wire and you're like oh my god 
they just randomly killed one of the most key characters. And now I'm going to yeah. end this episode and go mourn it because how will this show ever be the same without blank? And I won't even spoil it. And it's been out for fucking 20 years now. And I won't tell you like the scene that took my breath away. It's really hard because I, I see it. I try and look at it as though it's a real thing. And I just think if this was my if this was my life right now and the snap happened and Ruth and Henry got snapped away and then whatever. Oh my so, God, so you'd be partying so hard. This is what I'm going to say. I'm doing so much shagging. It's unbelievable. And then, so say then Ruth in a year, say it's a year, yeah. say it's a year yeah. and I do go out and do loads of shagging. I probably won't, but I want to, right? But so, And say after a year, Ruth comes back, she's unsnapped and she comes back. Not everything goes back to normal there. No. I'm like, oh yeah, Ruth, you know, I've had my year. It's been great. That's totally fine. I got it out of my system. But Ruth's like, you did loads of shagging while I, I got like dusted like that's really frustrating so i'm i just think not everything goes back to normal and it's really frustrating and i don't know i just can't quite get it into my head it looks like a fun trailer you know shenanigans nick fury's having a laugh he's dead so how does that work but i just i oh god i don't know i'm excited for it it'll come out and i'll watch it but fuck me like it doesn't half mess with my head you, you bring up my my problem with heaven okay like heaven of just course one yeah, there's there's a couple of problems. But my, my big problem with the theory on heaven is this, is that... None of us are getting in, by the way. Uh, so we, you don't need to worry about yeah. it. Connor, you're not no. getting in. No way. No. Strike. No. Fucking no chance. <laughs> so here's here's my problem, though. Let's say that something bad happens and, and Beth goes away, right? Uh, or let's do it the reverse way around. Let's say something happens to me and, and I go away, okay? So now I'm up at heaven and then I'm just hanging out like a cuckold, watching Beth, you know, date for a while and then getting her oh next God, husband. She would, be, she would be knee deep in it as well. Oh, just, Can you imagine? Just pounded okay, all the time. And so then, you know, let's say that after a while she can sort of you know, deal with the fact that I'm gone and she meets another guy and settles in and, and falls in love again, which I would want for her. I'd want for her to be happy, but then her and that guy get into a car wreck and they show up in heaven. And I'm like, <laughs> about time. been waiting for you for 15 years. Uh, is Roger going to live with this? Because I'd like to know what's going to happen to Roger. I mean, think about the awkwardness of when these people show up in heaven and they're like, yeah, you were great two wives ago. And then the other thing I'm currently right now responsible for one, two, three, three fucking dogs running around heaven. Where are these dogs right now? Are they in a fucking kennel? Is Baxter sitting in a cage waiting for me to die? Or, or am I the asshole that just has dogs that are like roaming in the streets of heaven? The streets are paved to gold and my fucking dogs are pissing and shitting in the streets. Or does Momo have a better trailer that's just covered in everybody else's dogs and she's going to hold on to my dogs until I show up, but then they're going to be like, Momo lets us do whatever the fuck we want. I don't want to go live with you because it's awkward with you, Beth and Roger. What the fuck's going to happen in heaven? I love how like everything you've kind of thought out every every aspect of it and thought about the your exit strategy, everything that's bad about it and stuff like that. I just think it's amazing. It's amazing how your how your mind works. You've done very well there. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy bastard. All right. I may not I may not get into heaven, but I got a theory that there's no TV up there, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, I mean if if you looked at the guest list, right? Heaven is like going to your weird aunt's wedding and hell is like going to the best party that you've never been able to find your way to like if you looked at the guests it's like oh yeah you're in heaven well who's there 
Oh, God. Aunt Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Oh, oh. All right. Hold on. I got to call on the other line. Hey, what's up? I can't hear you. The club music's so loud. What's going on over there? Oh, who? They did what? All right. I'm on my way. I'm going to be there real quick. <laughs> That's a fat point. Hey, friends. Today's episode of Comment Below is brought to you by my friends over at SinPro. SinPro Online is only $14.99 a month, and my listeners get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com slash design. SinPro allows you to easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx all online with this tool. You can print shipping labels and stamps right from your home or office computer. You can track all of your shipments and get email notifications when they arrive. Plus, the USPS postal rates increase on January 27th. You'll still be able to access savings up to 40% off USPS priority mail shipping and five cents off every letter you send just by using SinPro online. When you get into business with SinPro Online, you get the buying power of Pitney Bowes. Send your packages easily, affordable, and always know that you're paying the exact amount of shipping and getting it there when you need it to get there. This is the best way to take care of your clients and the best way to take care of your small business. Sign up today and get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com design. You'll also get a free 10-pound scale that will ship to you at no additional cost to help you weigh your packages and all your letters. Experience the convenience of SimPro Online and try it out for free at pb.com slash design. Game of Thrones it was announced. That was a big announcement. The Game of Thrones is coming back, what, in April? Yeah. Yeah, middle April, of April. April 14th, I think, yeah. All three of us are fans? Oh, yeah. Into it. Into yeah. it. Into so it. Massively into it, yeah. You love it. All right, so Game of Thrones of is going to come back. Six episodes. I, I think that that, I think that's a perfect number. I, I, I believe this is going to be, well, I mean, I'm not going out on the limb here. Wait till you see it's, the running length of the episodes. Are there going to be like mini movies? <laughs> They're going to be like full length movies, not mini movies. They're all like over, over 90 minutes, I think, by the sounds of it. Oh, that's going to be so great. I mean, six is six long ones. They got a lot of story to tell. It's going to be great. I, I just, you know, I've complained about this before. Those first couple of seasons, so little happened that I almost gave up on the show so many times because I'm like, I'm watching this every week. I don't know who who I'm looking at, what's going on. Um, and the, the pacing was just so different. I, I wish it would have been this balls to the wall the whole way through. See, I um, disagree with everything you've said Perfect. just there. I preferred <laughs> the kind of the beginning where it kind of took its time and it was kind of a, a talking TV show. And, you know, it was, a, it was more about politics and, you know, there was a lot of shenanigans, whereas now it's just an action thing. It just, I, I, I struggle with that a little bit more. I'm just like, I would like them to get back to um, to that and it's not going to happen, which is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit just like, you know, just get this over with now and kind of finish it and you know look forward to what they what they make afterwards because this is just going to be action now for six episodes isn't it yeah i mean it, 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 this season eight will be full throttle i mean they, they have some things to sort of wrap up but when you look back on the previous seven uh seasons connie what's what's one of your favorite moments that stands out to you that truly makes this a standout show um, generally people being like really horrible on that show. Absolutely. Um, Cersei, um, blowing up the, um, sparrows. The yeah. Yeah. The set. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. Those unex unexpected things that pop up. So maybe I'm a little more of a fan of the quicker cut action, uh, towards the last half of the series. 
Um, yeah. I, I'm just glad that they're kind of not, I mean, they're a little more focused in the middle of the series. It seemed like we went on a lot of adventures mm -hmm. and a lot of storylines. And then by the end of an episode, you were like, why are we over there doing that for so long? Let's let's yeah, get this going. So as long as we're not doing that for an hour and a half um, on these episodes, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, there's so many moments to to like. But I mean, anytime there's dragons just destroying and burning the flesh off of people, <laughs> it's great. Um, anything with Khaleesi. Um, get I don't know. Let's not Jon Snow. Let's get a little less of him, but I know we're not going to get that. Yeah. Mm. No, he's stupid. He's, he's so he's handsome. Not, he's not very good at what he does. He is. He's not good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's useless. I, I, I just John, for you, what's, what's standout moments when you look back on seven seasons of, of good TV? I think, um, you know, there are the marquee moments, but I think, I think hold the door oh, is the best you, moment. You, you oh, took yeah. mine. You took mine. I mean, sorry, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's some time travel shit, <laughs> it, dude. I rem I can still remember all of the details of that morning. I was sitting in my dad chair, <laughs> and it happened. And I remember my posture was like I set up. I like I completely got full attention, and I set up. And Beth tried to talk to me, and I just go no. Not now. And she looked over and just saw I had full tears in my eyes. And <laughs> she just like kind of like slinked past me. And she's like, what was going on? I'm like, I just watched one of the best hidden things in a TV show for years. And I try to explain to her the magic of Hodor, Hodor, and how we'd heard it 10,000 times and never knew that it was a map to something else. And I, I just couldn't get it to resonate. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just die and go to heaven now. Can you imagine that like... Um, George R.R. R. Martin has like probably wrote that 25 years ago yeah. and has been like sitting on it for 25 <laughs> yeah. years and then it just got like tossed away at the end of an episode he didn't even get chance to kind of do it himself because you know partly because he's he's given up on on writing the books or whatever but imagine the frustration of of, of having that secret and then telling like two idiot dudes who were going to make some shitty Star Wars movies and just being like, oh yeah, by the way, this, and then they just like kind of tossed it away and they did a great job, but it's still just like, that's 25 years in the making and they've just been like, yeah, we're going to make a TV show and it's going to have loads of action and blowing up because I don't think that that is what Game of Thrones is to him. It isn't all of the action and the blowing up and the kind of the quest for um, this big fight at the end. What they gave us with that is, you know, the scene in regular movies where a character, we're going along a journey with them and we know some things about their life that they don't, like maybe a time travel or or a lost memory or something like that. And then when something clicks and they start to get the flashbacks and put yeah. the points together of the movie, oh. we had one of those with that where inst instantly I was like reliving every time that he said that and like why I just skimmed over it and it wasn't important at the time. And then the gravity of it hitting was like a, like a punch in the chest. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I'll, I'll you can you can have hold on, Mark, and I'll go for hard home because that um so hard home is when um they when they all first encounter the uh, the White Walkers. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Um, which is amazing. And then, like at the end, where they kind of they like slinking off on that boat, and they've just realised what they've seen, and they're just like, "Oh my god, we are fucked!" Oh yeah, it's like yeah, unbelievable. When they're in those, and you know, those boats, those boats are so cold. Like, like I was shivering watching that, and I was you know sitting in yeah. L.A. probably on a couch with a blanket on me and a hot dog at my feet, <laughs> and like they're on the back of that boat, and they're doing the math of this is an army that 
even when you beat it, it gets stronger. Like, you know, like how do you fight the dead? Because the dead are always going to outnumber the living. There's, there's the, the numbers are always against you. And just that look on their face of like, we are so fucked right now. Completely and totally fucked right now. That will contain some weird shit. And they know that it does. Like, you know, there are things in there that are like fantastical, but like that must have been such a like a mind blowing moment. That's like when people talk about how, you know, like if you brought Einstein back from the dead and showed him an iPhone that he'd have a heart attack and die. So anyway, it's like that thing. It's just like that is so mind blowing. Can you imagine just like hearing all these things and then seeing that and then just seeing like, you know, your your friends come back to life or is it, I think it, was that when um, the giant is it one one is that when he comes back to life as well? Yeah, and there so he's there and stuff and you're just like oh my god like what are we gonna do now? It's just it's like a magical moment and that was an action beat and they did so well with it. It looked so good, but like that was just absolutely like heart in the mouth like crazy i loved it that you know i think it beat the dead right is Go on. well rick grimes got on that helicopter so ah, maybe that's that where sense. he's he's headed he seems to be the only man that can survive the dead so connie <laughs> due to gillette we're gonna do this in a very politically correct way yeah uh, you happen to be a lady and after watching, in particularly the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, whom in there do you think was most worthy of you maybe giving a mammogram to? Ooh, um, oh boy, goodness. Um, I, I'm a big Khaleesi fan. I mean, I've already mentioned that. You like to check um, her for knots? Yeah, actually, I probably would. Yeah. Um, did she did she do the thing where she decided she wasn't going to do the naked stuff anymore? Wasn't that a controversy? She's where, hard like, out. Yeah, that's so. I guess uh, they use body doubles with her. So we were told at one point that she was hard out, and then we got it. We got it not long afterwards. Mm. So I don't think that they did, but I think she is now. Um, they use body doubles with. Um, Seriously. Cersei. Yeah. A yeah, lot, yeah. A lot. She was heavily pregnant at, at the time, I think. So of that was shaming. kind of one of the things. Yeah, shame. Yeah. And they use like a 25 year old's body, like on Cersei. And it's just like, what are you doing, you gross human beings? But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't want to examine yeah. her. That's okay. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, she's she's the worst. <laughs> Could you imagine you're the 25 year old girl and you're sitting at home and go, hey, that's not my head? But that's definitely my body right now that everybody's pissing and shitting and throwing trash at. Like, that's my body right now going down that road. The shame scene. What a break. What a fantastic, what a just a fantastic moment. You know, one of the things that Game of Thrones taught me, and this is something I go back to all the time, is I hated King Joffrey. Just the... The look of him, the smile he would get on his face when he was literally pissing on others and taking advantages of others, just the privilege. I hated him. And then the moment that he died, I immediately go, oh, God, what, what am I? I'm going to miss hating King Joffrey. And I've had so many moments since 2017 where I go, I fucking hate the president. I hate all the shit that he does. I hate how he's disgraced the office. Oh, my God. What am I going to do when Trump goes away? Like literally I spend two and a half, three hours of my day watching news just specifically about him. When he goes away, what am I going to do? I'll probably just write like one screenplay a week. Like I'll be the most successful guy in the world because I won't have my Trump <laughs> hours anymore. Like oh, I fuck. look, I, I hate to say this. I'm going to throw up a little bit, but I'm absolutely in love with Donald Trump. I'm in love with following everything that he does. 
Oh, Lord. Yeah, you're going too far now. He's Yeah, I can understand what you're saying, but fucking hell, like, I would... I would trade anything for him to go away. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, know what you mean, but like, he's not here just for your entertainment. Can you imagine? <laughs> he he's, he's your jester. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, I, that's how I feel about Andy Bernard on The Office. Um, <laughs> he's just like, he's Joffrey. He's like this rich, entitled motherfucker. And, but once he's gone away, and I don't know really, can't remember what happens because I've not seen the last season, but once he's gone away, I'm, I'll be very happy. Go on anyway. Don Clark wrote in on the Circle of Trust, and if you want to leave a comment for us, become a member over at the AID.network. Don Clark writes in, does Sean know that The Office is a comedy? It's not really a documentary. That's just a device they used in the show. Seasons one through three are solid. <laughs> I just watched the episode of, with Scott's Tots. Do you remember <laughs> Scott's Tots? <laughs> like, I just, and Ruth was like, I can't watch it. And I was just like, I hate it. I hate everything about it. And I'm just like, I was like, I was like, he'd go to jail. And I know that it's a comedy. I know that it is. And there are definitely funny aspects of it. And I find myself laughing every now and again. But I just, I hate watching the shit out of it. I think it's the next episode where, like, the cold open is when um, Michael is telling Andy that he can't do the baby voice anymore. And I'm just like, ah. I was just sat there and I was just like, I just want to kill myself. And Ruth was like, why do you watch it? I was like, I don't know. It's the worst thing ever. But anyway, I know, I know. I've got an office problem, but it's nearly done, right? The Gabe's you, just come in, so it feels far away. <laughs> the way you talk about the what this watch of The Office, it's like that you and Ruth are in a bunker somewhere and it's the only videotape that got put down there <laughs> for people to watch. And like, I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm like, why are you continuing to watch it if you hate it this much? Because we, I feel like we don't really have a huge amount to watch. Um, like we, ju- it's just something to, to switch off, and we put it on in the background, and we just do it while we eat snacks, and just you know, just go one one day closer to death. That's what it feels like. <laughs> wow, you've got <laughs> the sweet release of death. <laughs> you've got Netflix over there in the Snicket, though, right? Yeah, we do, we do, and there's loads of good stuff on there. But I'm just like, I don't want to find something new and have to concentrate on something. Sometimes <laughs> I just want to switch off. Sometimes I just want to switch off and just be like, you know what? Let's just watch something easy and not have well, to think about it. And well, that's that's for me. That's Mad Men. I just did that this last week. I was like, should I go in for round seven on wow. Mad Men? <laughs> you are that mental. I can't switch off and watch Mad Men. Oh, I can't. Well, she knows every line of it. So to her, she's just listening to a good record. Well, I know every line of it, but in every rewatching, I could probably go back and give you something different. I picked up some line I heard, some inspiration or something out of it. It's like it's so layered that when people tell me, oh, I couldn't get into that. I watched the first two and I turned it off. I just write them off from my book. They're not anybody I'm ever going to talk to again. Yeah, which is understandable. I could do the same thing with The Wire. Like I've seen The Wire three times all the way through um, just, you know, marathoning it. And I absolutely love it. And I once contemplated, I'm like, what if I just really made the wire my religion? And every Sunday morning I just got up and watched the next episode of the wire. And I just did that for the rest of my life. Sean, you brought up Scott's tots, which is an unbelievable episode of the office. I put it up there in my top five next to the dinner party. The dinner party is the best. It it is possibly horrible. It's possibly the best (laughs) sitcom episode of all time. 
Are you being serious? 100%. That's mental. It's very funny. The, the, the bit when he's talking about his vasectomy and his, <laughs> is, is really fucking unbelievably funny. Like, I'll give you that. Like, like, the look on his face and just how it keeps going is great. But that's mental. Absolutely mental. They're, you know, it's good. And that Jan and Michael dynamic but is great. But no way. Not even close. You mad bastard. Well, I'll tell you this. You you bring up Scott's Tots. Last night, yeah. I watched a documentary about the real world Scott's Tots, and it's about Fire Festival. Um, oh, yes. So it's called Fire Fraud. It's spelled F-Y-R-E. This is the Hulu one. Yes, this is the Hulu one. As time of recording, the here's what happened. Netflix announced that they were doing a documentary about Fire Festival, which you may remember a couple years ago was this festival where they basically promised all these millennials that they were going to go on like the most amazing vacation festival. Was it the Bahamas? Uh, it was in the Bahamas. They were, they yes. were going to have their own island. Uh, there was going to be all these big bands playing, and it was just going to give you all of those Instagram moments. So you're basically promised that if you went there as an influencer, you know, it was just going to elevate your status and everybody at home was going to be dying of FOMO and you were going to be perceived as the real deal. Um, and the guy who ran this, uh, Billy McFarlane, he is just a compulsive con artist. Like he can't help right. but scam people. And he does sort of a lowbrow version of the Madoff scam. So Netflix, uh, this Previous Friday, they had a documentary announced in the canon, ready to, to just shoot right out. Then Hulu, four days before that, just pops up and goes, we made one too. And <laughs> I watched the Hulu one last night. My intention was to watch maybe the first 10 minutes so that I could talk about at least one of them on this Monday. I stayed up way too late last night because I got sucked into the whole hour and a half. Uh, I just could not turn it off. And as it kept going, literally sitting in my chair, audibly, I would go, no, no. Like <laughs> as they showed the next level of the scamming and, and just the deception and the deceit to their audience and the way that they basically funneled money from one thing to pay for the next, I just was like, this is one of the greatest stories I've ever been told. Don't let this stop. And it doesn't stop because on Friday, uh, there'll be a second one for me to watch. So if you haven't watched either of these right now, there's two documentaries about fire festival. I haven't seen the Netflix one, but I can highly recommend the Hulu one. So I don't think Hulu is a, th well, Hulu isn't a thing over here. So we're not, I'm not going to be able to see that one. I've heard that it's better. Um, than the Netflix one from like looking at some reviews and stuff. I'm we're gonna see the um the the Netflix one tomorrow because this is absolutely fascinating. I'm I'm genuinely excited. It's not something I know a huge amount about, but I know enough to to have piqued my interest. Ruth has no idea. She basically doesn't know what Instagram is, so she'll be like completely <laughs> like hooked in by it in the same way like she was with the Bros thing. It's just like one of those things that kind of sounds pretty shitty if you don't know about it, but then when you peel off the layers and you're like, oh, okay, this is like fascinating. So yeah, oh. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you saw it. It's a strong recommendation. I didn't know these were, those were out yet. So I'm going to um, check this out because I remember watching this real time, like on social, social media. media and it was almost like one of those, you know, drop in reporters, like on a, on a, um, scene of a hurricane or something like that like little reporter footage popping in people with their instagram stuff and and um stories about 
you know, this tragedy that was going on, but it was supposed to be like a festival and, and there's just some people like screaming and running around and there's no toilets and there's no food and how can we get out of here? So I'm super into it. It's, it's hard not to feel sorry for them though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, they do a good job of talking about how the rest of us watched it as a spectator sport. And it was really one of the, yeah. there's been a couple times in my life where something was, you know, it's popping live and you go over to Twitter and Instagram and you start following people or following hashtags and you can just watch a live event unfold in front of you. And, and I always say that, you know, um, imagine September 11th, if I, the iPhone had been invented, you know, like the iPhone would come six years later and just the way that now we can capture every moment from every single angle, like the next time there's a massive, you know, man-made disaster like that, the amount of footage and storytelling that we will have will be insane. Like for example, in Boston, when there was the, the, the marathon bombing, yes, the FBI confiscated everyone in a grid. They got the data off of everybody's phone. And they were able to completely put together a timeline of every event from every angle, taking photos, footage from every phone. They were able to composite a complete rebuild of that moment from all the different sources of data that was recorded within those couple of blocks. It's absolutely insane. It makes the C CSI like zoom in. Uh, take his hat off, spin yeah, him around, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see his thumb, uh, what's the passcode on his phone, what's the email, touch that app. Like It makes the CSI stuff almost <laughs> impossible. The uh, Michael Jackson's death was the first one for me. Yes. So like I remember like being on Twitter at the time because I've not been on Twitter for years, but just like seeing people seeing like people talking about it and then comedians joking about it and then like seeing the footage happen and stuff like that and just like being completely fascinated, like you said last night, being completely unable to go to sleep because I was just like, I don't want to miss out on anything. And you're not missing out on anything. He's still going to be dead or not. And it was just like, I need to just carry on watching it because I feel like I can't just um, swipe all the way down. I'm going to miss <laughs> kind of the algorithm's going to screw me over. I'm a little salty about Michael Jackson's death and what happened with that. Not him dying. I don't give a fuck. But that <laughs> happened in the afternoon. <laughs> And I was walking through a store and started hearing about it. And I was already pissed because earlier in the morning, Farrah Fawcett had died. Yeah, he just and buried so she, her. She was the news for the and news for me and for a whole generation of people. And then that fucker had to come in and just wipe out like my childhood for me, basically right there because I was I was full on mourning that. So Farrah's never gotten her due because he stole it from her. Yeah, that, Diane, Diane just hours before somebody like massively famous is one of the worst ways to go. You're, you're <laughs> never going to get your fair due. Uh, one of the other important things I think about Michael Jackson and sort of really showing the the way that the future was going to be ran is that TMZ, because they're small and very independent, they were able to break that news a solid I think an hour and a half before any of the networks or CNNs, because CNNs and the networks, they have to, they get that news, they have to verify it, they have to clear it through legal, they have to do so much shit before they can send out that news alert. And TMZ yeah. already had covered it, had photos. Wild West. I mean, they were like way out in front. And I was like, man, the, in the future, things are just going to move a lot faster because of, you know, the, the independent creator. 
I have. A, I'm just going to switch topics for a second. Sure. I apologise if I'm going to um, if 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 I'm going to steal your thunder. I just wanted to ask a question because this is something you know to speak about the fire festival and, and stuff like things that we don't really get over here. Um, how's R. Kelly doing at the moment? <laughs> Dude, speaking of every day, there's there's TMZ news alerts about. R. Kelly, it just gets worse and worse and worse for him. Every single day, there's somebody new that's turning on him. There's there's a new, you know, sort of a legal trap for him to walk into. Like, I, I don't know how someone in that much shit caught up in that much negative attention. I literally don't know how the fuck. I mean, granted, he deserves all of it. He deserves more, actually. He should be in fucking jail somewhere for the things that he's done. But it was 20 years ago. He married a 15 year old. There's no statute of limitations on that shit. No, I'm Morally. saying he married someone 20 years ago. So he, no, I'm just, no, I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying he did something bad 20 years ago. Like it's crazy that he's still out there making songs with people and all these people are apologizing. They knew, everybody knew that R. Kelly was a shitty person and had done bad things, but they just. He seemed fireproof. I, it was crazy. I, you know, I, I I spoke to this. I don't. I I apologize. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but you know, I did Pitchfork Festival three years ago, and R. Kelly headlined it, and I was there just being like, "He's a pedophile! Like, how can he headline a music festival? This makes no sense." And I know he's from Chicago, and the crowd were going crazy, and I was like, "This blows my mind." And but now, all of a sudden, about three years ago, and and now a, a different time, clearly, but. It's good that it's catching up with him. He just a few nights ago went out to a club and just showed up at a club and sang over one of his tracks and they showed the audience. Everybody there was bouncing and grooving and holding up their phones and shooting videos of him performing. Like it's fucking insane. Not only did he do that, but didn't he also like right after the documentary first aired, he was at a show and he put up screens and he showed the documentary at his show. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And, and, Absolutely amazing. And, and Sean, you, you make a great point is Own that it. we, he, we have let this go on everybody. I mean, I'm over here in Kentucky, nothing to do for a long time with like that deep into the entertainment industry. We all knew R Kelly. Oh yeah. He's a pedophile. We know this. Yeah. What, what is, how did that happen? How does that, it's because it happens on like little levels all over the place every day. And it was just an extreme one. It's like too much you know, to prove something too much to get involved with, yeah. whatever. But I've only watched a little bit of that documentary, but um, the thing it's it's like all of the women that are coming on there, and I'm certainly not condemning them at all, but it like really points a light on what we put a value on because all of the, the women are saying, yeah, things seemed weird. It didn't seem right. <laughs> something was up. But he said he was going to make me a star. Yeah. He, he was somebody big and influential, and he had two songs, and we knew he was going places, and he was putting that attention on us. So, you know, and then they're dragging their friends in, too. It's like, okay, you're already in a shit show, and you right, know it. Right, And then he says- Can I get a plus one? Get, yeah, go get me some girls. <laughs> and you're like- Oh yeah, let me go find my cousin and my friend and go to the mall with another group to go snag people. It's like <laughs> what what is that mentality that we have? And then you know there were parents that saw things and knew what was going on. And like I said, I'm not all the way through this yet, so I know that's gonna come up, but I'm not putting any blame on anybody except society of what are we willing to give up to fucking be famous? Well that's that's well, a, this is it. That, that's the whole point of this right is that i mean the michael jackson thing was the same yeah there's there's obviously in the r kelly situation there's like you know the powerful male uh dynamic but 
just even putting that aside, it, it just goes to show like if somebody has power and somebody has money, they're so easily uh, uh, able to take other people and just put them under their wing, mislead them, misguide them, get whatever they need from them because there's just people out there that just want all their problems to go away. And they think that if they can get some of that money and some of that power, then all, and it goes, it's really sad because it goes to show the stress of being broke and being poor and not seeing a way out that I will endure whatever I have to go through just to hopefully get some of that peace on the other side. I I find that part of it to be incredibly sad that people are just willing to give up any part of them to try to find the piece of, of success on the other side. It's fucking mind boggling. Yeah, agreed. So with little Mark in Louisville getting away from his stepmother and <laughs> running the roads around there skateboarding and having yeah. just a shit life that you've described to us. Chase a lot. Bricky. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just go back and think like at that point, if Michael Jackson shows up in your town <laughs> and you have the opportunity <laughs> to go hang out with Michael and Bubbles and Macaulay Culkin and Corey Feldman, are you like down for being the third part of that trio? Let me tell you, it would have not been child abuse or, or for whatever, because I would have been a willing participant. I mean, if it was literally like <laughs> you can hang out with this wild crew, but you're going to get taken away from here and you're going to get to go live someplace, which is also a mini amusement park. Smell you later. Yeah. No, nah, that's understandable. <laughs> Kentucky what? So, I mean, I, I mean, I understand how you could be in a situation where you're like, yeah, I mean, R. Kelly's a fucking scumbag, but have you seen the housing project that I live in and the people that I'm surrounded by every day? At least when I go here, uh, you know, yeah, he's fucking mean to me, but he buys me a new purse every now and again when he needs to win me back and when he's on the brink of losing me. Like it, it just manipulation is so easy when people are that desperate. And that's the sad part, you know, that these young girls just um, due to, you know, when you're young, you don't, you think you know everything, but you have so much more to understand. And if they could just realize that we've, what we've all realized is that on the other side of money, on the other side of power or whatever little bit of fame you get, it only creates more problems. There's no happiness there. You know, like everything that he's promising these people is completely false. Uh, but when you don't know that you just take the bait and you go for it. And this has been a proven scam that's been able to be worked on people since the beginning of time. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I only mentioned that Kelly because we, again, it's something that's been kind of hitting like really hard online, but it's something that I can't watch again over here. And it's like super frustrating because I'm fascinated by the whole situation. I don't really know a lot about R. Kelly other than his bad things. Like I, I don't think I could name a song that he's done. The, the I Believe I Can Fly is one. Oh, I know come on, that. dude. It's the Keys of Ignition remix part two. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, you I, do. I, if I played it, you I've would had, know it. Right. Okay. Well, I've I had a conversation with people about this thing because again this is this is something that has been going on for years and people talk about R Kelly and I'm like oh R Kelly the the pedophile <laughs> great work and the, but they don't see it but like I said the, people seem to see it now and the pennies drop so I guess it's not a bad thing it just it's crazy that it takes um, somebody to make a TV show for it to actually happen but Connie, goodbye. I want to just give you uh, an award for well played on making me see this from a completely different direction. Because when you pulled that example to me, the, the MJ example, like I'm now completely seeing this from a different perspective because I could have easily been one of those R. Kelly girls. Like I, I understand how you take the bait. Like it's so easy for us all at this age to be like, well, these people are being dumb, but at their point of life, 
they're just going to where they think they're going to find some sort of happiness. I mean, even like on an extremely lower example, I remember being like 12 and 13 and getting to go out to like the local county fair with some friends of mine, no parents around or whatever. And we're, you see the carnies and you're like, man, look at that life. Those dudes hanging out there (laughs) running the fucking Ferris wheel. They're the worst, like, yeah, like. There's no way you want to go on that now as an adult. But as like a 12-year-old, I'm like, dude, look at that guy's rat tail. And he's got on the denim jacket. And He could sell with Van Halen all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have been off in the caravan with one of those people if I, at that time if I could have. 100%. But now I'm like, Jesus, what was I looking at? 100%. I mean, <laughs> there was a moment where when I was a sophomore, junior in high school, I didn't think that there was going to be any future for me. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a job. I knew that I didn't have any parental money put aside for college. And I talked to the army recruiter and he came to the house and my dad was like, Oh no, no son of mine's going into the army. No fucking way. My dad knew that it was a trap for, you know, the middle class and that it doesn't get you to where you're going to go. And, uh, my dad just like was a hard no on that. But at the time, like I started looking at it and go, well, I like the G.I. Joe cartoon. Uh, This seems like an option for me. And the course of my entire life would be different had my dad not stepped in and said, no, 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 no. This isn't going to happen. So, you know, and at the moment I thought like, oh, I'm just this will make me a better person. This will be like a good service or a good thing I can do. And my dad knew the trap that that can be for for young men of that age. Uh, Wrapping up this, getting back to Game of Thrones real quick. The Game of Thrones. (laughs) Forgot about that. Yeah. The Game of Thrones prequel. Uh, they're slowly starting to put more pieces of that together. And the, the, the cast that they have right now, I'm wondering if this game of Thrones, which is going to be set thousands of years before the events of the current TV show and the series chronicles, the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. It, the cast that they've shown thus far, other than their main anchor, um, celebrity, it's really, really young, like super young looking cast. Uh, HBO put out a, a quick one sheet about it and they have eight photos and everybody looks to be in their very early 20s, except for the anchor that they're building the show around, which is the great Naomi Watts. Yeah, she's great. She's I, fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. This is, again, it's like we said before, I'm, um, I kind of feel like I want, Game of Thrones to move into a different direction now and I'll be glad when it's over um, so they can start to explore new things and um, hopefully this will be it I, um, you know, it's written by um, George yeah, as well, he's still and involved by Jane, yeah, Jane, Jane Goldman as well she's a British writer, um, she's wrote like a bunch of really good stuff um, over here she did like the X-Men films and um, I think she might have wrote um, some of the what's it called the Kingsman movies mm. like she works with with Matthew Vaughan a, a lot on those things so um she's she's a real she's a real good writer so I'm um I'm excited about this I think that um I want to know more about this world because that's this is what I find fascinating about Game of Thrones is the world building you know it's the same with Harry Potter it's the same with Star Wars and stuff like I find the kind of the world fascinating and the more that we get to see um the history of it and the more that kind of those gaps get to be filled in the, the better I would feel about it and stuff so this this is just catnip to me it really is I don't know about you guys I mean there's no way that I'm not watching this series 
This series, though, going real, real far back, showing the very beginning of Game of Thrones, for whatever reason in my mind, and I don't know if there's any logic in this or not, but this idea in the back of my brain is tethered to the Star Wars you know, the, the series that, that the guys actually that do Game of Thrones right now are going to do where they're going back yeah. to the, the old Republic and sort of showing the, the origin of how the, the Star Wars universe that we know sort of got launched. So they're going back, you know, thousands of years or whatever behind that. And I don't know why, but in my mind, these two are very, very similar. So I'll be happy when these sort of get fleshed out that I can divide it like, oh, it's not the same project. They're, they're two different things that just right now seem very familiar to me. Well, hopefully this will be like uh, Better Call Saul. And yes. um, it'll be, you know, we'll have a sort of a familiarity with what's going on, but we're going to go see a whole different cast of characters that sort of keep us related to it, but but they have their own stuff. But I mean, how great will that be if it is like that? Because I think universally, everybody that I know likes Better Call Saul better than Breaking Bad. Yeah. So what if this colossal media empire of Game of Thrones that we all love so much? What if we're like we find something now that is the part of that, but we like it even better? I mean, think of something that you know. Then you're like, oh, but it's better than Game of Thrones. I can't imagine what would be better than Game of Thrones. It says, from the horrifying secrets of Westeros history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East of the Starks legend, only one thing for sure, it's not the story that we think that we know. So it's origin stories. It's going to basically tell us how the the world that we exist in now, how all those major plot lines you know, were, were formulated. I'm, yeah. I'm curious when they do something like this. And also with, you know, Better Call Saul has a really clever out that, I would, I'm begging uh, Vince and the boys to just, I'd love to start one season and go, oh my God, this whole season, we're just going to be after Breaking Bad. You know, it's just going to be the Cinnabon years. <laughs> like, I would love <laughs> to see that so much. But on something like the Game of Thrones prequel, they have thousands of years between this and, and what we've all seen now. I wonder, yeah. though, when you start telling the story... Do you map out that this is a three season plan? This is a five season plan? Like, how do you take that story and figure out how to dilute it into, you know, the proper amount of five years, 10 episodes? Like, I would love to see that whiteboard breakdown of we got this much story. We're going to spread it out over this many years and this many episodes. Yeah, it's fascinating. It feels like a real open book. The fact that they've gone so far back, it's just like, well, we can do what we want. So hopefully, Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, HBO seem to really have a handle on what they want. You know, they're happy to kind of, you know, they, they seem to be quite tight with, with storytelling and stuff. So hopefully they won't let it get out of control. I mean, the thing is, Game of Thrones is a cash, is a cash cow for them. Yeah. So I'm sure that just more Game of Thrones is better. You know, I don't, um, I don't know if you have seen this in any of your research, but is this the only prequel that they're making? Because they commissioned like six um, like scripts, didn't they? And, yeah. and did that, this one was definitely getting made, but I thought that there was another one. Am I wrong about that? No, you're totally right. They did explorative uh, commissions where they had different people and different crews sort of like, hey, if we gave you the Game of Thrones universe, what little bit could you you know chisel off and what story could you tell? As of right now, what I'm aware of, this is the only one that HBO is getting behind. But who okay. knows? Right. Who knows what their plan is like, okay, so we can run this one for five years and then this other idea that somebody has, we can, you know, because I think that they're going to really try to make Game of Thrones 
their version of like a Star Wars or a Star Trek, just something that doesn't go away, that they just keep taking another little piece. Because they're probably hoping that this series launches another folklore that they can dive into further. I'm intrigued by this Naomi Watts casting. Like you're, you're interested in the whiteboard. I like the casting of this. Like who is she supposed to be in relation to current characters? Do you know? Do we know yet? Well, I, we don't know no. who any of the characters no are. Idea. They've just right. given us the headshots. She's a socialite, isn't she? She's like a socialite. She's kind of, you know, somebody who is kind of rich and supposed to be a bit of a nightmare. So I got, you get like Cersei vibes to a certain extent, but that is it. But thousands like, of that's years. That's all I've heard. If you trace my bloodline back thousands of years, so if you go from oh, me. <laughs> it's you, still trash. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you go find the just the, like four years. <laughs> <laughs> if you went back from me right now to, you know, whomever I came from, from 1819. And Alton that, B. Cotton. That's only two years, 200 years. You know, like, let's go back yeah. a couple thousand. Like, who was, uh, where did this bloodline come from at 18 AD? Who's that motherfucker? What disgusting piece of shit is that guy? Like, <laughs> definitely right now being like, he's not the real Jesus. I'm telling you right now, that fucking kid <laughs> who's a senior in high school with me, there's no fucking way he's a real Jesus. <laughs> well, Naomi Watts, um, like, if I'm in that boardroom and they're tossing around, gee, this Game of Thrones, biggest TV show maybe in history, what are we going to do in the prequel? Who are we going to get to anchor this thing? What's the big name we're going to announce? It's not Naomi Watts no. for me, although I love her, and don't get me wrong, and they've also done a really wise thing because she's going to, not not that they don't have the gay audience already because they do, they're going to get it by putting Naomi Watts in there. Is she a gay? She, she's not a gay, but she um, has played that, uh, skirted along those lines in the uh, David Lynch, uh, Mulholland oh, yes. Drive. Oh, so Mulholland Drive, the yes, fan base. And then also, she just had a show last year on Netflix that I loved and was totally into, and everyone on gay Twitter was watching it, um, Twitter. Gypsy. It's a thing, Mark. It's a thing. I mean, if you get uh, caught up in it, it's you might touch a penis somewhere along the line. If I'm you not get scared of that. <laughs> but she was in this uh, really twisted show where she played a psychologist who was not quite right herself in the mind in that she got involved with her patients lives as alternate characters in mm. their own storylines she found out information and then got into their own what's the name of this life gypsy it was fantastic and she was uh super gay in it so they're going to pull that in got those. the worst reviews of any TV show that's like ever been a TV show before. <laughs> see, like, see, that's my thing. That's my thing. If it's I got gays to... in it, does it mean that it's just automatically great for you? Does it, does it just get a no. pass? Is that no, how it, it works? It, it just doesn't. flash a funny and then you just swoon. Is that <laughs> no, it doesn't. Unbelievable. There's, there's a lot of gay, horrible shit out there, but I'll call you on that too. If I still watch it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. I understand Connie, that. Yeah. It can't all be good though. Connie, gun to your head. Worst gay show ever. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to Comment Below today. I hope you're having as much fun listening to us talk about all the entertainment news as we are having this conversation. Today you're able to find the show probably over on the Adventures in Design feed. Comment Below will be moving over to its own feed where you can subscribe at Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, or Stitcher. Many, many platforms for you to choose from. Subscribe today if you're one of our free listeners. Or know that you can always get the complete version of every episode, as well as the archive and all the other shows that are made by the Adventures in Design podcast network by going to AID.network. Coming up in part two, we just keep going through all the titles, all the new shows, 
and I learned something amazing about the future of the Sopranos franchise. So much more good TV talk coming your way for members of the Circle of Trust. Sign up today at AID.network or find the show for free over on one of our other platforms. And do us a favor, tell a friend, share, let them know that you're enjoying weekly pop culture conversations on Comment Below, part of the AID.network. Oh, golly. TV show or movie? Yeah, TV show. Anything. Yeah, anything. Just, like, anything. just the worst, like most pandering piece of bullshit catered to the gay community that you've ever seen. Oh, man, you're putting me on the oh, spot and so I can't hard. I can't pull up one right now that's so bad on TV. Um, if I if I come up with one, I'll get back to it. Could you There's make so a list? Of, could you make a list for the show at one point, which is Connie Collinsworth worst gay worst TV gays of all time? Like, could you make that list for us? <laughs> We're just like these are the absolute worst characters. If you see a character like this, you're watching a bad gay program. Oh, I can make that list all day long. I, can make that oh, from, I can't wait for it. Movies and TV. Yeah, I will get a horrible, like, I'll probably get hate mail from California. I'll be listing so many fucking actors that people love. I mean, I put Ellen at the top of that list. Um, oh, you mean um, that Bob, Bob Newhart?